G'day, I'm Morgan Evans, and welcome to Selkirk On Serve, a pickleball podcast presented by Selkirk Sport. It is pickleball. This is the game they play in heaven, folks. What can you say about this game? It's a sport, it's a pastime, it's a good time had by all, and it is taking over. I mean literally. Real estate, tennis courts are being inundated with pickleball players everywhere, and I love it. I mean, there's over three million pickleball players. That's a lot of people. That's at least five or six football fields. I think seniors have always loved it. You know, those weekend warriors just shaking off old injuries, doing battle. Meanwhile, the kids are having so much fun in gym class. You know, it combines tennis, badminton, ping pong, and I think dodgeball. I think about the last time you hit someone with a pickleball. It makes you feel like a kid again. It's so much fun, and usually pretty funny, let's be honest. And then there's professional pickleball. And that's a real thing, guys. And I know what you're thinking. Morgan, isn't professional pickleball a bit like, you know, Australian sobriety? Kind of a, an oxymoron. No, no it's not. And it is surging, people. Backed by TV deals, endorsements. Players are competing at national tournaments around the country for prize purses, incentive pools. And it turns out I'm one of them. But I'm also a coach, and I love coaching. Coaching's great. But if I'm not teaching and I'm not playing, then uh, this podcast should keep me out of trouble. I want to do pickleball justice, folks. We're going to have a good time, we'll have a few laughs, probably learn a few things along the way. And that brings me to our inaugural show. We're going to discuss today the rapid growth of professional pickleball. It's definitely still in its infant stages, but things are changing. We're getting more incentive programs, we're getting sponsorships, prize money's increasing. Things are, things are rapidly improving for the professional game of pickleball. I have a very special guest for you today. Uh, he's a great friend of mine. He's my men's doubles partner most of the time. He was a former competitive tennis player. He was a wrestler. He won the US Open Championships in singles. He won the national championships. He's one of the most recognizable players in the game. And he's an all round top bloke. He also happens to be one of my prized students. He makes me look good, people. So I'm very pleased to welcome Mr. Tyson McGuffin. Thanks for having me, Mr. Evans. How are you today? Good, mate. Mr. McGuffin, how art thou? Things are uh, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. I'm just hanging out in Hayden, Idaho. Little man's watching cartoons, and I'm upstairs, so he's not bugging me throughout the podcast. Tell him I said hi. I will, I will. All right, so it says here, great tan, chiseled jawline, perfect hair, uh, built like a Greek statue. How's, how's that working out for you? Is it uh, you scraping cool. by? It's all, it's all spot on, yeah. Every little bit of that is, is totally spot on, so thanks for, mm. thanks for the kind comments. Well, uh, yes, congratulations on that. We're all, we're all very happy for you. All right, so you're, you're coming off a bit of a, a breakthrough year. You won the national championships and you won the U.S. Open championships uh, in singles, and now you've just won the tournament of champions in doubles with Mr. Matt Goebel, not me. Um, that, that hurt me, just so you know. Um, but it's been, a, it's been a fantastic year for you. Can you t- tell us a little bit about the success you've had in the past year or two? Yeah, yeah, you know, so last year, in a, you know, different, different part of my life, I was still working as a head pro, I was still teaching, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, so 
wasn't able to play as much this year. You know, I had a different transition with my job. I'm not working, I'm not teaching as much, so I have more time to train and um, invest more time into into the into the practice courts. And you know, on the on the fitness side, I've been working on getting getting stronger and leaner and quicker and things like that. So I think I think it's been a mixture of you know not being on the court as much on the on the teaching side, investing more time in my in my training. You know, on court, off court. You know, obviously, you being in my corner and you know having a fresh set of eyes during during singles and stuff like that, and then helping me, helping me out on the on the doubles end has definitely played a part as well. But yeah, I think you know, there's been I think after after I won nationals, there was this whole new notch of confidence that I found. You know, and like a little bit of confidence can go a very long way. So, you know, I've been able to kind of ride that confidence, you know, and put myself in a position where, you know, I feel like you know I'm I'm one of the top two guys in singles. And doubles, you know, I've spent the last probably six months really, really working on my doubles game, drilling a ton. You know, I live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, so there's really not too many guys here to play with. Matt Goble, you know, who's my my doubles partner, we just won TOC together. Lives in Spokane, so we're we we we, we basically only have each other. So we've we've uh, spent a lot of time drilling and you know investing time in each other, you know, and 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 really I guess getting a good understanding of like each other's game. So I think it's been it's been a mixture of like the new transition with the job, not teaching as much, spending more time on the court, you know, you know, just just really really focusing on all the all the gray areas and like all the all the red flag areas in my game, and um, yeah, I was able to get over the hump. But I think first and foremost, just winning nationals in 2017 put me on a whole new notch of of like a level of confidence, you know. So that's I think I think all those all those things have definitely, definitely played a part. But I think you know one of the one of the biggest obstacles was. You know, really getting myself on the map in doubles. You know, um, you and I had a, had a lot of success this summer. Uh, we took a lot of silvers, which, which we is did. unfortunate. We haven't quite seen a gold medal yet, but uh, but we'll get there, I'm sure. Um, so I think you know, for for Matt and I to get over the hump and to finally win our first major, kind of a cool story about Matt and I. We Matt was my very first doubles partner, and Chris Miller from Seattle actually introduced me to Matt. And uh, so Matt and I have been playing together for the last three years. Last year, we, we took, you know, fourth or fifth at all the big majors, so we weren't quite in the top three, but we were, you know, kind of kind of peaking and, and somewhat there. And, and, I mean, this year we, we've totally found each other and found chemistry and, and, and found a, a pretty high level during those majors. We took third at the U.S. Open, and then we just won TOC. So... So no, it's been a it's been a great uh, it's been a great year, that's for sure. Yeah, look, it's one of those things where once you have the success, um, some initial breakthrough success, uh, that it spurs on the confidence that then gives you more success, and it's a it's a lovely cycle there. Um, it's great watching you and Maddie on court. He's uh, he's an athlete. I remember him coming in from uh, Bellingham every Tuesday in, uh, in Renton. Oh, really? Renton Park, I think it was in Seattle. I used to live up there, and he was just this this long, lanky guy with um, some obvious tennis influence, beating the ball around. And uh, unbeknownst to me, he was gonna he was gonna become a champ. Um, so it's great to see the success there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think I think also something to mention too is that you know I when I first started playing pickleball about three years ago, I was living in Yakima. And and there wasn't anybody above a 4-0 level in Yakima to play with, so I just had one guy who was about 64 years old to to drill with, and his name was Bill Chott. He was the guy who actually kind of got me started. But anyhow, and you know, during that whole you know two years of being in Yakima, I didn't really have anybody aside from Bill. So 
So, you know, I would go to Spokane and visit Matt and drill for a weekend. Matt would come to Yakima and drill for a weekend. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just cool. Like, you know, in the three years that like we've been playing together, we've worked our butt off to, to get to this place. And I mean, it was just a dream come true to finally get a major together with all the time we've invested, you know, with like each other's game and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would have liked to have seen some tears at the end there. You know, just a little emotion. <laughs> you were fighting them back. Jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were. You know, and Matt's, Matt's not a emotional guy, so. I'll work on that with him, don't worry. I didn't want to make him so uncomfortable. That's probably what it was. <laughs> good man, good man. All right, now just a quick follow-up. In the, in the world of singles, you, you've been one of the top players um, for a while now, and there is a... A man that uh, you could call him your your arch rival, and he, he uh, unfortunately got the better of you at the tournament of champions, Mister Mister Ben Johns, the man child. Have you watched the match? In hindsight, is there anything you would you would do differently? POC and winning all the majors this year was definitely on my to do list. You know, so it was definitely a heartbreak losing to Ben. But I mean, kudos to him. I mean, he. I mean, I think he outplayed me, and and I think you know what he was able to produce. You know when when the match got tight and and you know how he was able to raise his level and stuff like that. And there's nothing I can really do. But you know after a match like that, it's definitely tricky watching the match after. But yeah, I've watched little bits and clips. You know I haven't really been able to successfully just sit there and watch the whole match without turning it off. So um, yeah, I think you know I think I could have been better. You know I missed a couple returns in 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 each game. You know, I gave away a couple of points. You know, to to Ben's credit, he didn't really give me much to work with. He didn't make any, he didn't make any unforced errors. He didn't give me any missed returns. You know, things like that. So I just felt like the whole match, I I was, you know, feeling so much pressure, and I felt like I had to produce like my best stuff. So I think you know, next time I play him, you know, if I'm able to get the ball down a bit more on my third shots, if I'm able to uh, win win the battles from the kitchen line, and you know, win a win a higher percentage of points from the kitchen line. You know, and uh, I think I think that's the that's like the bread and butter right there. Is you know I have to be I have to be better from the kitchen line. Most of our points end up with a third shot drop, and then it turns into a cat and mouse point from the from the kitchen line. So yeah, if I can be savvier there, and if I can you know be able to move them around and get them off balance and stuff like that, I think I can I think I can get over the hump and and win that match. But you know I think you know. Ben and I have definitely changed the game of singles. You know, I think a couple of years ago, you know, if you take a look at Marcin and I's match at, at Nationals in, was it 2016? You know, it was it was like your typical tennis match. It was a third shot drive and the points were fairly short. And now, you know, Ben and I have, have turned this singles game into kind of like a double style where we're dropping thirds and coming in and dinking and and uh, the points are craftier and they're, and they're fun to watch. So It's interesting because you... You you kind of started that way. I remember playing against you uh, about two or three years ago at the Canadian Nationals. Um, I think we we played a couple of matches over our time, um, and you were that, that's kind of what you were doing. You were you weren't serving anywhere near as big, um, but you were dry, you were dropping the third shots and wanting to play cat and mouse. And then at a certain point you realize, look, I've got, oh, I've got, you know, 5,000 horsepower at my disposal. Why am I only using 10? And you, you kind of went away from that and started driving um, through those thirds and passing people left, right, and center. Well, mostly left and right, not, not so much center. Um, and then it seems like you've come full circle and you realize that against uh, this gentleman, Mr. Johns, um, 
that the pathway to success doesn't doesn't really come from driving those thirds. And in, in fact, it's uh, it's where you started with a bit more of a touch and feel game. It's got to come by the book, baby. Who's who's told me that? <laughs> by the book. I'm sure he was a good-looking Australian who ever told you that. <laughs> <laughs> by the book, and you've got to be disciplined. Yeah, it was funny, you know, like when I when I first started playing singles. I was I was using the Enrique Epic paddle, you know, and I I was so new. I thought I could just drop thirds and drop fifths and just move my move myself around the court and grind matches out. And I thought that was like the right way to play. Little did I know, you know, when you when you play that sort of game style and you're not driving any balls, it's a it's a long road. I mean, you 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 you've really got to invest the time and you, and you've got to focus on your fitness and like rely on putting more balls in play than them. And so you know, what's funny is that I. I think I think when I played you with Canadian Nationals, which was you know first or second weekend of July, and that was my that was my first year of playing. So I was about probably six months into playing, and and then in September, I ended up uh, putting the Maxima in my hands and fell in love with it, and then fell in love with the idea of hey, I can I can serve a little bit harder, I can drive thirds, I don't I don't have to play play it safe, you know, and I can get some free points and I can make life a lot simpler on the on, on the singles court. So, you know, I ended up playing playing Marson that, that year of nationals. I ended up, I remember I ended up taking silver in age and I took silver in open, lost to Dan Moore in age and then lost to Marson in open. And I played super aggressive. And so and so yeah, now I'm kinda of at a stage where, you know, I know that I have I have the aggressive style. I know that I can soften and, and play play cat and mouse. So I think you know every mat um, every match is just a mixture of recognizing and trying to figure out you know what what patterns are going to work better. Um, but it's but it's nice now that I that I have all these tools in my back pocket. You know, so if plan A goes out the window, I can play fast. You know, if plan A is working and I can play soft and move them around, then then you know that's the idea. So I got a few different uh, game plans I can go to now, and my game is much more rounder in that sense. Yeah, that's that's really the key. Having uh, a whole bunch of tools at your disposal, and and knowing when to use what to uh, to get the job done. Um, okay, so th- th- there is a obvious, obvious trend in the professional pickleball circuit um, of you know top level tennis players. We've got uh, Wimbledon doubles champ Joanne Russell. Uh, we've got Cammy McGregor, um, Caitlin Christian. Um, there's a bunch of these players coming in. How important do you think it is? Uh, for this growing trend of tennis players to uh, to embrace pickleball, I mean, I I think it's huge. You know, I think you know, I think what, what we're seeing nationwide is that you know all these tennis directors now are finally starting to embrace pickleball and bring pickleball into their clubs. You know, on the on the professional side, yeah, we're seeing all these all these ex pro tennis players come in. We're seeing D one tennis players come in, and they're picking the game up so fast. You know, so you know, I I feel bad for the typical for the typical raw pickleball player that. That you know doesn't doesn't have that racket still racket still background because um, I think in like the next five years um, you know the the top thirty doubles teams the top thirty singles players both men and women is all going to be heavily um, related to to tennis and and you know has has a tennis background so I think it's great for the sport it's only gonna it's only gonna increase the level you know and I think you know having having big names um, is only going to help the sport as well on a sponsorship level, you know, getting getting these tournaments to bigger venues, you know, things like that. So um, I think all in all, it's, it's definitely a huge benefit for the sport. Yeah, you're right. We have to remember to, um, you know, try and send Chris Miller a uh, wish you were here card once in a while, once 
once it's over. <laughs> hey, uh, Chris and Brian, you know, all the, all the Utah boys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you have a, a background in tennis, um, but I, for me, that, that's not the, the main building block that, that made you uh, the fierce competitor that you are today. You were a wrestler from quite a young age, right? Yeah, I started wrestling at the age of five. So my so my dad threw a singlet on me and some headgear and a couple of knee pads at the age of five. And yeah, you know, I, I grew up in a, a rough, tough kind of wrestling family. I had five older brothers and one older sister, and I'm the baby. So I got beat up on, you know, when I was a kid. It was funny. It was kind of funny. My, what's, you know what? She she was probably like the Did she beat you up as well? So, you know, and my and my dad made her wrestle, wrestle obviously. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny. We, my dad used to have, like, half a wrestling mat in our living room. And so, you know, on, on Saturday and Sundays, uh, for, like, two hours in the morning, he'd take all the kids out there and run a bunch of drills and stuff like that. You know, another, another funny story was, you know, my, my dad would throw us in a van. He had this big old van, and he'd haul all the kids in there, and we'd go to... We, I was I was living in Central Washington at the time, so he'd take us to you know Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Northern California to all these all these wrestling tournaments. And his, and his deal was was that every 200 miles he would make us get out on the freeway and um, uh, run a mile. You know we we'd be you know in in the van cutting weight, you know, and every every 200 miles maybe it's you know five in the morning, six in the morning, whatever. Um, he'd make us get out on the freeway and run a mile. Um, the worst part was was that you know. Um, he would, he would be driving in front of us on, like, the side of the freeway, and then once the mile got done, he would stop the van, we'd all get to the van, and then he would take off again. Um, so, you know, he was, he was pretty, pretty stinking cruel, man. I like this guy. That's just good parenting. Uh, he seemed like he, he had your best intentions. He had, the, he had the best intentions for you, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah. I was... I, I was only seven years old, but <laughs> seven. Basically, a man. Did you? I mean, I assume you had a job at that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, um, I think you know the discipline and like the character traits that you um, that you get as a wrestler. You know, growing up in the wrestling room, cutting weight. You know, like what you have to go through, like in in the wrestling room for practice and. And, and, you know, all those things, it's just, it's, it's the toughest sport. I kid you not. I mean, I remember so many times in the wrestling room, just hating it. And so many times driving to tournaments thinking, gosh, I don't want to wrestle and I'm cutting weight and I haven't, I haven't eaten for two days and I've cut in 10 pounds, you know? So just that, that feeling of, of like, I don't know, I guess having so much hate for it, but like loving it, like in the same sense makes you, I mean, makes your, uh, makes your skin a lot thicker. That's for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you read books like uh, Open by Andre Agassi and, and you realize that, you know, the recipe to make a champion doesn't always come from Loving. the love of the sport. No. He, he famously didn't really like tennis at all, but his dad pushed him millions of balls um, to make him what he was. And I'm sure he's enjoying life now. Yeah. Um, so whatever, whatever it is that gets you there, it, it's obvious on the court when people watch you, I think. You know, people can see the emotion, how much you want it, the desire, and that you're, you know, a warrior out there. Right. Um, and you, you can't really, it's almost impossible to teach that. You, you've got to have to instill it from That's such a young age right. totally. Um, totally. that they, you know, and it takes it through, it, it, that trait sticks with someone throughout their life. So right. I, I figure, you know, whatever else you're doing, uh, whether you're teaching or you you probably have the same kind of attitude. Totally. Right? I mean, it goes it goes like in all aspects of life. You know, whether it's a 
job interview, whether it's, you know, family life, um, you know, taking care of your kids or, you know, um, if you're, if you're in a relationship or whatever, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of cute. You know, my, my, my dad passed away about four years ago, you know, and my, and I just, I just wish my dad was here right now because I have, I have my little guy wrestling, you know, Ty, he's, he's four and a half and I got him in a little singlet and he's out there wrestling and stuff and I can, you know, go watch him at wrestling practice and stuff like that. So, um, just like a, the mixture of like my dad being able to see my son wrestle and then my dad seeing me on, you know, this sort of level and that was pickleball on me, he'd be so proud. So, um, wow, I'm, sure I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure he's yeah. looking down and he's proud of you, mate. This is one of those, yeah. uh, this moment sponsored by Kleenex. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but anyhow, so yeah, I, uh, my, my number one goal was, you know, uh, Ty turned four, um, uh, about eight months ago. So I was super stoked to get him, get him wrestling and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and it's just like the cutest thing. I mean, to like see the, see the look on his face, like when he's in the wrestling room, he's just like a little physical beast. Um, and he absolutely loves it. So it's just perfect. Uh, and it, it kind of gives me like a, gives me like a glimpse of my dad, you know, when I, when I see Ty out there. So, so are you going to make him run a mile after every 200? I'm going to make him run two miles. Two miles. Yeah, that's the spirit. <laughs> He'll end up being twice as good as you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> good man. That's right. Hopefully, hopefully. You know, you know. I was uh, talking to somebody the other day. I'm thinking in, you know, 2034 that Ty and I are going to win a national title on the on the pickleball level. So um, is, that's the year you're dumping me? Is, is that right? That, that, is, that, that is the year that you're gone. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be an old man by then, so that seems fair. This concludes part one of our two-part inaugural episode. You're on the edge of your seat, I can tell. So tune in next time where we'll discuss more of professional pickleball with Tyson McGuffin.